Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? A little go low pod. Wanted to talk some golf as we just finished up the the West Coast swing, which makes me sad because I, I think the stretch of Pebble Beach to the Waste Management 
And then obviously Riv is easily non-major the best stretch of the year. And it was kind of a disaster. So we'll dive into that. You know, the, the big controversy of last weekend was Jordan Spieth getting DQ'd. A lot of old school big J's. You know, it's got a baseball feel to it. D- you know, defending the decision. I have some thoughts there. I- I'm going to jump into Tiger Woods off the top because uh, obviously he didn't even make it 27 holes. And uh, a couple other things. Liv, Scotty Scheffler. I have some thoughts on on gambling on golf as well. I, I've definitely changed my strategy. I get a lot of people DMing me about what they should do, how they should approach it, and, and I think I've made a dramatic change. So the, the game plan as you know, we get into more of the Florida swing, the players, then obviously the majors, we're going to have uh, some, some golf podcasts and some ideas for guests and just kind of mix it up. Maybe even me out on the course, screwing around, and uh, see, see where this thing can go. Let's start with Tiger. Because the, the thing that I like, to me, Tiger and Michael Jordan have this ability when, you know, I felt this when I watched Michael Jordan's docuseries, uh, The Last Dance. Whenever I see a picture of him, uh, same thing with Tiger Woods. Whenever I watch highlights of early on in his career, or even when he makes comebacks, like tries to play this weekend, it, it, it strikes that part of me that's kind of dead having just done this for a living now for a long time, that still makes me feel like a little kid, that still has like that inner fan that's 15 years old and just loves sports with every ounce of his body, that, that is not jaded by money and just everything that comes along with the business that is professional sports. And I, I think officially came to grips with I've held out hope. Hell, I, I was even tempted to sprinkle a little bit on him, 110 to 1. Uh, p- Might have put a little on him, top 20. I'm not gambling on Tiger Woods anymore. I, obviously, that, that wasn't a smart thing to do to begin with. But I think now, two years ago, he, he couldn't finish tournaments. I, I mean, he couldn't finish the Masters last year. Uh, he didn't even play in the U.S. Open. The PGA, he couldn't finish. The Open was a disaster. Then he comes. Then he gets the surgery, which a big part of the surgery to like fuse to fix the ankle was for more long-term ability to move around and just be able to walk better. Because we saw last year there were points in time like after ten holes, it was like someone get this guy a golf cart. And I've always said like I understand he has a lot of pride, and I appreciate that. Like I appreciate any human being that takes a lot of pride in what they do and doesn't want to give in to life, and usually that's age, but sometimes you got to wave the white flag, and he's never going to take a card. He'll just retire before and just never play before he ever gets in a golf cart on PGA, uh, you know, in tournaments. Not that that's even allowed, but I do think that they would figure out a way for him, which is ironic because back in the day, his college teammate, Casey Martin, Tiger was one of the guys against it, so it's convoluted every angle of this thing, but the reality is is that Tiger Woods could not make it 27 holes at Riff. You'd be like, well, he got influenza. What the hell is influenza? I know he's sick, but on Thursday, probably, and I watched the majority of his round, I tweeted out probably like 10th or 11th hole. I actually think physically he looks a lot better than he did last year. He was just operating really smoothly. Then he gets to the 18th and he shanks the ball which is probably the most relatable thing Tiger's done on a, uh, on a golf course besides quitting in the middle of a round, which we all can relate to. 
in a long, long time. And I was like, well, shank. I didn't even think it was that weird. Like, shit, it happens. Justin Thomas won a major when he shanked it on Sunday at the PGA Championship a couple years ago. But then Tiger was asked about it after the round and said, well, my back has been spasming the last couple rounds, or the last couple holes before that shank. It was hard for me to, uh, you know, to activate those back muscles. And Hosel came first and obviously shanked it. I think we have to come to grips with, like, this guy's holding on for dear life. And if it wasn't, like, his deep, deep desire to compete, because I think he's pretty bored, he probably shouldn't be playing. I mean, this is a guy that's held together by fused backs, fused knees, and fused ankles. His game actually is not terrible. He's, he's not a very good putter anymore. But relative to just some average PGA Tour pros that are playing on a weekly basis, he hits it like them. Uh, I, but I just think physically his body's given up on him. A buddy of mine, Jeff Schwartz, that used to play in the NFL, texts me when the picture went viral of the ambulance that was parked behind Riv. Like, what the hell is going on with this guy? And I think what makes Tiger pretty unique is his body's put together like he played in the NFL in the 1980s. Except he's a pro golfer. And the injuries he's had, the wear and tear, how hard he trains and works out. I I spent, somehow I ended up on YouTube, the algorithm spit me to the Stevie Williams. He did an interview with some Australian guy. Really good interview. It was like an hour and a half long. And there are different points in time in that interview where Stevie was just harping about how hard Tiger was training with the Navy SEALs and how bad that was for his body on top of how he was already training really hard in the gym. And you just watch a guy now, you can tell me it's influenza. And it's not that I don't believe that he was sick. A lot of guys at this tournament were sick. When you tell me your back's spasming, he's not able to play like he once was able to. I have no faith whenever he plays in a tournament now that he's going to be able to finish. Not that he can make the cut or like play 72 holes as a golfer, but like his body won't give out. Could be hole 10, it could be hole 55. But I think we have to come to grips with, and this is the problem with the splintering of the sport. One thing the PGA Tour has in their back pocket is like, we can roll Tiger out to Riv, to Pebble, probably not Pebble because it's too cold, but Memorial, to just some of the big tournaments. Like, I don't think you really have that in your back pocket anymore. You can't rely on this guy. Mickelson may suck. He may not be any good anymore, which is crazy because he just won a major a couple years ago. But the couple years before that and what we've seen after beside the Masters last year, which is a very unique tournament, he, he's just not any good. He, he's not. And let's face it, a lot of times as you get old in any sport, even a sport like golf where you can play a lot longer, it's hard to compete at the, the highest level. I heard Billy Horschel say this on No Laying Up's podcast. He said that the average age when he, when he came on the, when he got his tour card back in like 2013 was like 34 years old. He said the average age on the PGA Tour now is like a little under 28 years old. So in, in a decade, the average age on tour has gotten dramatically younger. It's pretty clear that the youth on the PGA Tour in their 20s, the, the amount of talent that's coming from college on a weekly basis, I understand it's, it's probably one of the easier tournaments for a random to win, but a fucking amateur won a PGA Tournament this year. And it's not like he beat me and you in that tournament. He was playing in the final group with Sam Burns and Justin Thomas, two guys that were on the Ryder Cup. So the sport, like when Tiger showed up, and listen, I played golf 
at a very, very young age and, and followed the PJ Tour because my dad liked it. A lot of the bodies were 40-year-old fat guys in the 80s and 90s. Obviously, the high-end guys like Nick Faldo and Greg Norman, you know, and Paul Azinger and Davis Love III, like the high-end guys. But there were a lot of guys on tour that looked like the random dude you would see buying a steak at your local grocery store. That's not really the case anymore. How many guys, if you just watched a little bit of Riv this week or Waste Management last week, did you see that are kind of fat, lumpy, and don't look semi-athletic? They don't really exist. Like I would even say John Rahm's body type in 2024 is an outlier. So when you look at what Tiger has to deal with, the talent and the competition, I just don't think his body can keep up. And when you're not able to play and iron sharpens iron, I don't care what you do. If you podcast, the only way to get better at podcasting is the podcast. If you sell cars, the only way to get better at selling cars is to fucking get on the lot and sell. It's how you hone your craft. And I listen, I, I, I'm going to follow Charlie Woods' career very closely. Just like I'm sure a lot of people are. But it's hard to get ready to play Hideki and Zalatoris and Jason Day and all these guys that are playing on a weekly basis on the PGA Tour when you're just playing Charlie for champion of the day back at home in Florida. And, t- and it's not like Tiger doesn't know that, but his body won't let him. And it's just, it's kind of sad. It's starting to feel a little bit like Willie Mays on the Mets. And I, I don't want to see it go out this way, but that's just usually the way it ends. It usually doesn't end like John Elway holding up the Lombardi trophy to end his career. Most careers end by kind of getting drugged through the mud, kind of looking like a shell of your once former self. And uh, that, that's Tiger's career. Let's face it, his life has been fucking insane. So how is he going to have a normal ending to his career? And that's, it's really starting to get a little rocky. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, Listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Let's talk about the West Coast Swing. Because, let's face it, it was kind of a disaster. It has not gone well. This PGA Tour season, unlike last year, has really felt like, we'll get into live in a second, they clearly miss all those guys. You can't have in a sport that is so predicated on star players, a lot like the NBA. If I took the top 10 NBA players, I couldn't remove five of them and expect the league to do just as well. It would have a dramatic impact. If I just take Giannis, I take Steph, I take Dame, and I take Jimmy Butler. I'm just picking some names. And I leave you a couple sweet guys. But you'll still have a league. You'll still be able to compete. People will still watch. But it won't be the same. And anyone that knows, knows. So when you watch these tournaments, you go, God, something's missing. I mean, at Riff, the defending champion is John Rom. You can't just lose John Rom and have it not impact who you are as a business. DJ, Kepka, all these guys, they would normally be at Riff. So the leaderboard still looks solid. Zalatoris, Cantlay, Xander, Hideki was flying up. Jason Day was floating around. I mean, these guys are major champion, high-end guys. But you feel it on a weekly basis. And, and one thing, you know, in golf, in football, you basically can play in anything. In golf, you can't. I was playing on Saturday, and I was with this guy, Mike. And he's like, I hate playing golf in the cold. I'm like, I do too. If, if it's not sunny and I'm not on a golf trip and I'm not in band and dunes, like, I ain't playing. I'm, I'm not trying to have heat warmers in my pants so I can feel my hands. Obviously, in pro golf, you play in whatever conditions that will allow you to play on a given week. But when you look at the last three weeks, Pebble got shortened to 54 holes because of this crazy California storm. There's nothing you can do. But we would have had the opportunity to see Wyndham Clark and Ludwig Oberg be paired in the final round on Sunday at Pebble. Like, that would have been a pretty big deal. But it didn't get to happen. They gave Wyndham, you know, they named him the champion because they weren't going to be able to play potentially for a couple days, which I understand, nothing you can do. The waste management was an utter disaster because of weather. I I went to Vegas that week. It was freezing in Arizona. I mean, freezing cold. Obviously, the weather impacted the tournament, impacted the tee times, impacted delays, which impacted the people. They set a record for people unconscious. I I talked about this on 3 and Out the other day. You can't promote a party and then get mad when people party. You can't promote the drinking and the fun and then expect, in 2024 for it not to get a little out of control. Especially when you factor in delays, the flow of people playing is not there. And it it clearly just got a little outrageous. And let's face it, when you have Charlie Hoffman, who I remember when I went to Cal Poly in college, I worked for a couple summers as a cart boy at San Luis Country Club. And they used to have this tournament called the Straight Down. It's a uh, clothing company. Charlie wears it. And Charlie, at the time, was a really, really young PGA Tour player and used to play in it. 
And I, I've just, from the outside, followed his career kind of loosely. I mean, he's a fringe PGA Tour player for 20-plus years. He made a decent amount of money playing Nick Taylor, who's a good player, but international, Canadian. It's just going up against the Super Bowl. Like, even I didn't watch the last three or four holes. I was watching the pregame for the Super Bowl. So th- there's a reason. Two weeks ago at Torrey, they set up that tournament to end before the NFC and AFC Championship games. The Waste Management, on purpose, sets up their tournament on Sunday to end early so it doesn't carry over with the Super Bowl. But sometimes weather gets in the way. And then last week at Riv, to me, the field was impacted. And these signature events, where there's a lot of money, I mean, they were playing for $4 million. I don't care how rich you are, playing four days of golf for $4 million. Last time I checked, that'd be a million dollars a round. So that's a pretty big deal. That's we talk a lot about live. Like that's about like they, that's what the winner gets there. Four million dollars, a lot of coin for one weekend of golf. Tour feels weird right now. It feels like it's in a weird spot, and I, I don't really know what you can do because here's the problem. And, and let's dive into live. Is the potential deal the, the animosity still between the two sides? I was just scrolling Instagram like an hour ago and Greg Norman's tweeting about OWGR, about how none of his guys are on the list. None of us at this point in time give a shit about any of it. We just want to see all these guys play in the same tournaments. We know we're going to get them in the majors, but can we get them four or five times other than that a year? Because you know who's really losing? Not the guys on the tour. They're making a lot of money. Clearly not the guys that live. They are making a ton of money is us. The people who, like me, played golf early on Saturday, teed off at 7.30, was home by 11.15. Sat on my couch, wanted to watch Riv. Watched all of Riv on Saturday. Sunday, same thing. Went to the gym in the morning, watched the, because uh, I had money on Zalatoris and a couple guys, watched Riv. I want to watch these guys play each other. I want to watch DJ and Kepka against Hideki and Xander and Cantley and Will Zalatoris and Bryson. It's not happening now. And it honestly feels like it's not going to happen next year. So in a weird way, and again, this is just educated guesses. Things can change at the drop of a hat. But it feels like we're years away, beside the majors, of getting these guys all together at once. I no longer care of like, oh, Liv, they got 300,000 people watching. No one gives a shit. Or look at the tour. They got 2 million people. I I don't care. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. When are these guys going to play together again? When can I turn on the TV? It's like, oh, Zalatoris and Bryson are paired together. Oh, Xander and Kepka in the final group. Oh, Justin Thomas going at it right now with John Rahm. Oh, look at fucking Cam Smith. Cam Smith's back in the action. Doesn't even feel like we're remotely close to that. And whenever I hear these players talk about they need need to be repercussions for leaving, or guys like, let them back. None of us care about that anymore, guys. None of us do. Those of us, and there's, you know, three or four million max who are willing to watch non-masters on a weekly basis. And I say three or four million max, I mean, that's max. But if you got a real, really good tournament, like you would get two and a half, three million people to watch. But right now, that's not the case. You do not have enough star high-end talent. Period, point blank, end of story. Like, you're just missing guys. I can't remove this much talent. If you think about it, I don't give a shit about the world golf rankings. Just think about the 10, 
most important players, not Tiger or Phil, you know, guys under 40, to professional golf landscape. I'd say Liv has five of them. DJ, Rom, Kepka, Bryson. I wouldn't quite put Cam Smith there, though he's a major champion, but clearly he would have been right in that mold if he would have played more tournaments that mattered. I mean, Joaquin Neiman won Riviera three years ago. And I wouldn't put him in that, but in terms of talent, like he's a top 25, 30 player in the world, talent-wise. You just can't take that much star-studded away from Scheffler, Rory, JT, Spieth, and expect it to not have a major impact. And the other thing is, and I say this all the time, a huge part of sports is creating emotion. Right? When you watch the Super Bowl, you're like, I fucking can't stand Kyle Shanahan. Or God, I'm rooting for Kyle Shanahan to win this. Or, you know, Kelsey's kind of, it's kind of driving me nuts. Right? You want to be moved emotionally, positively or negatively. Golf is just pure, ah, this guy's a pretty good guy. Yeah, good guy doesn't say much. Kind of boring. Yeah, Cantley plays kind of slow. He's kind of boring to watch, but, you know, he's just kind of big ego, smart guy, but he doesn't do anything crazy. Like, I, Patrick Reed, he cheats. <laughs> Patrick Reed will cheat. His wife is on Twitter talking shit about everybody. And he cheats. Bryson DeChambeau does weird shit constantly and hits the ball like 400 yards. You can't remove these characters. Like, this is a television show. That's All this is is entertainment. And you remove some of the most important people from the entertainment, you got a problem. Obviously, Seinfeld is Jerry, Elaine, Kramer, and George. And you can say Jerry or Kramer or George, whoever's the most important. But I can't take two of the four of them away and still have the same show. It's kind of important. So I, I don't know. I don't feel great about it. Another thing I don't feel great about is the conversation around Jordan Spieth, who was DQ'd for not signing his scorecard. And if you're watching this, if you're a big golf junkie, you know he was sick. He, you know, he might have had diarrhea or something, so ran away. You got to sign your scorecard, attest to your score. And, you know, your playing partner keeps your score. You rip this part off the bottom and you can match it up and make sure so there's not any mistakes. Even though those of us watching the golf or those of us following online knew what he shot. We knew exactly what he shot. If you were at Riv and you shot 69, you shot 69. Whether you kept your score as 67 or 75, you shot 69. One problem, and I listen to a decent amount of golf content, like the No Laying Up guys. Uh, I, I just follow a lot of golf guys on social media. They have a, I would say, a baseball feel to them as people that are just really, really close to the sport and are holding on to some of these ideals from past years. And I understand part of golf is integrity, calling penalties on yourself. It's very unique that way. Like Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid would never look at the referee and be like, my, my right guard just held, you should throw a flag. But in golf, like you can call yourself for a penalty. Right? You tell your playing partner, like, I, I think I'm out of bounds here. Could, you, could I, someone check? You would never throw a, you know, a uh, challenge flag on your own wide receiver that he dropped the ball. We understand that. And I think sometimes, whenever I hear media talk about, like, well, this is how you 
life lessons, teaching our children. This is professional sports. Like I said, Riviera, the winner, got $4 million. I played in a lot of high school matches. You didn't get any money. College matches, no cash. So if you want to keep score because there's no technology to follow everyone there, totally understand it. What about the Corn Ferry Tour? They can keep their score too. But at Riviera on the PGA Tour, in Jordan Spieth, that he fucked up a number on a scorecard. I think he said it was a four when it was actually a three. It might have been vice versa. Can't even keep track at this time. Who cares? This notion that it's anything other than archaic when we have the technology and we literally know his score that he should get DQ'd. What about a two-shot penalty? How about no penalty? How about no penalty? How about like, hey, there was a mistake. This is your score. We know what he shot. There's no debate. There is no argument. Like, no one's like, well, he might have shot 68. I think he shot 70. We know the exact number he shot. So to DQ him to me is insanity. This has nothing to do with anyone gambling on him. This has nothing to do with, like, progressive golf fans. This is just common fucking sense. If you don't want to go to the store and you need food, guess what we have now? Instacart, DoorDash, ability to get it delivered. 15, 20, 30 years ago, you would have had to get in your car and go. 20, 30 years ago, totally get it. Greg Norman had to keep Nick Faldo's score. We didn't have the technology. You didn't feel as comfortable about some of the walking scores. I understand. In 2024, at the highest level of golf, especially events like the designated ones where there's, you know, a lot of eyeballs, smaller field, I'm sorry. This is just not needed. I'm not saying you can't keep your own score. I'm not even saying to change what they do. But it shouldn't be necessary to account for what he shot. And I hear this argument, well, you know, in basketball or football or baseball, there are official scores. There's only one ball in play. There's only one game going on. In golf, there are people everywhere. Yeah, and there are people following them everywhere. Rules officials, official scorekeepers, And now the track man data, it's literally following them. As someone that gambles, if I can't watch and I'm out and about because I got to spend quality time with my loved ones and I'm seeing if Jason Day is going to make the top 10, I can watch his shot tracker on the app. A lot of people talk shit about the app and I understand it. But like I know exactly where he is on a given hole on the app with straight lines or curved lines, ideally straight. We got to get better. Like, I'll give baseball credit. They changed. They stopped listening to the Bob Costas's of the world. We don't give a fuck if you don't want a runner on second in extra innings. Not a soul wants to watch this thing go to 18 innings. Let's end this thing. We need to change. This shift. Yeah, it's cool for all the elites in the analytical box to be like, he'll never hit a double when you're sitting there. Not fun as us, the viewer, to watch. It doesn't make any sense. That when every single person knows his score, playing partner, me on the couch, the actual tournament directors, that he writes down the wrong number and he gets kicked out. I understand that's been the rules forever. He broke the current rules. We have to acknowledge the rules don't make sense. Whenever I see a guy, he got a DUI. I'm like, God, how wasted was he? Well, he was just, he had marijuana in the car. So they arrested him. He actually didn't get a DUI. That happened to Darius Rucker the other day. Like, what? You get in trouble for marijuana. How does this make sense? How is this not just universally legal at this point in time 
in our life. I, I can't take you seriously as a state when you haven't legalized marijuana. He got, he got arrested. He had a joint in the car. Oh, shit. He was rebel. So I, I just, this needs to be changed. And last but not least, Scotty Scheffler is an elite player. He is a special, special player. His ball striking numbers parallel some of the best Tiger Woods numbers, who's clearly, in my lifetime, the best player by a mile ever. The problem is, he is one of the worst putters we've ever seen. And I was thinking about it. I remember having a buddy who was like a really good college player, tried to make it to the tour, obviously didn't, played in some mini tour events, made it, played in a couple PGA tour events, and went to a, uh, a lesson with Butch Harmon. And one thing, they, they just started picking Butch's brain about different players. And, you know, Butch had worked with everyone from DJ to Ricky. And they got to speak. And he basically said, listen, Jordan's never going to dominate like he once did because he literally had the hottest stretch on the greens in the history of golf. And it's hard. I remember Hunter Mahan told me a long time ago that the thing that people don't understand about Tiger, like truly in his peak, is he was the best at literally everything. Hit the ball, ball the farthest. He had literally every shot, high, low, hook, slices, you name it. He was by far the best chipper when he needed to around the greens. And you never thought he was going to miss when he had to make a putt. Statistically, was he always, quote-unquote, the best putter? I don't know. But no one ever thought he was going to miss when he needed to make it. Like, even Kepka. I've never seen Brooks, like, I haven't looked at his stats. I know this. When Kepka is on and he's playing in a major, his putting is phenomenal. Like I said with Speed, won a bunch of majors because putting, he was fucking awesome. Cam Smith, who before he went to live, it looked like this guy, because he was an elite putter. I don't care how good of a ball striker you are, you are never going to sniff maximizing your ability if you're an atrocious putter. And I looked this year. This guy Sheffield was having a good season. T5, T17, T6, T3, T10. I mean, he's, he's probably win a couple times. Like, he's going to make a ton of money. In 2000, last year, he was 168th in putting. Currently, he's 128th. There were multiple visuals at Riviera of him screaming F-bombs and throwing a ball into the woods. When you watch him putt right now, you not only don't think it's going in, you don't even think it has a chance. And this is something that can be fixed. Zalatoris, who I love Will Zalatoris, was the easiest guy to make fun of in professional golf because his putting stroke took like seven different angles before it hit the ball. It did like a circle, took a couple right angles, and then he finally made contact. And then he had back surgery, came back, long putter, and it just kind of looks normal. So, listen, I don't pretend to be Brad Faxon here, but Scheffler is wasting. Like, it does not last forever. You do not just get to be the best ball striker in the world for seven straight years. Not the way it's going to work. I would say best case for Scotty, this lasts for five years. There's a decent chance it lasts for like one more after this. And to screw it and just to like give all these tournaments away because you can't make a putt to save your life seems kind of crazy to not even try anything else. Try a different putter. I was watching on Sunday. They had Rory in the booth and Rory's like, you know, listen, I'm not one to give him advice because if he got good at this point in time, he'd beat us all. But, like, I'd try a mallet putter. 
And listen, I, I'm someone that puts with a blade. I'm not a very good putter. But like, what's the point of not mixing it up? Why not try? I, I think we're going to look back on these two years as going, that's one of the biggest wastes of ball striking in the history of the game. And last but not least, I had some of you guys DM me about gambling on golf and saying, you know, you, you picked winners and Hideki came storming back last week and you just bet on guys to win. And listen, I like doing it too. You, you put $100 on a guy 40 to one and he's in the mix on Sunday. You're like, I'm about to win $4,000. And I've hit a couple of those. I've hit Max Homa before. I've hit DJ before. I've hit Justin Thomas before. It's an exhilarating feeling. But if you pick winners every single week, if you just take $500 every single week and put $100 on five guys, more than likely you're going to lose $500 on a weekly basis. One thing I've instituted this year because of the DraftKings app is really, really easy to do, and it's changed my gambling strategy dramatically, is top fives and top tens. And I've already made probably three or $4,000. Because, like, and listen, you can do it live too. I, last week, I live bet was Zalatoris top five. I put like $150 on him, three and a half to one. It was awesome. And I hit Jason Day top 10. So I had, I think, $1,000 spread out on the tournament, and I won $1,400. So I made 400 bucks. But if I just would have picked winners, I would not have picked Hideki Matsuyama. I would have lost. Just like at the Waste Management. If I just would have picked winners, I would not have picked Nick Taylor. The way to bet on golf, even if you want to get aggressive, I don't care what your units are. 50 bucks, 10 bucks, $1,000. Betting top 10s is the way to go. Because you can get guys at 30, 40 to 1 when their odds are almost 3 or 4 to 1 to top 10. And you can base, Jason Day has been playing well these last two years. He's had success at Riv. I felt really, really good about that. I would not have bet Zalatoris before the tournament. But once the tournament's going on, you see him playing really well, hammer that. My only regret was not sprinkling on some to win because at one point in time on Saturday, you could have got them like 35, 40 to 1 to win the tournament. Now, but again, live betting guys even to win the tournament can be difficult because you never know when a guy's going to shoot 62 to win. The way to gamble golf, if you want to get really aggressive top five, but that leaves you some leeway. You don't need the guy to win. Like betting on Ludwig right now. There's a chance Ludwig does not win a tournament this year and has a fucking fantastic year. Wins $10 million. He might top 10 basically every week. So just hammer him to top 10. If you want to sprinkle a little on him to win, sure. I'm someone who has spent so much money the last, I'd say three years, betting winners. And it's just not a great strategy. Where, listen, you're not guaranteed to hit a top five or top 10 either. It just gives you so much more breathing room. And to me, the number one strategy for me to gamble moving forward, like I've put in thousands of dollars on majors before. And the majority of that always went to winners. Like I know this. I'm going to place large bets on the Masters for guys to top 10. The DJs, the Kepkas, the Zalatoruses. Now, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't admit I did sprinkle a little on Zalatoris 35 to 1 to win the Masters. He's competed well there before, and I just think that number is going to come down. But that's the strategy. If you're going to gamble on golf, which I highly recommend, I gamble on golf every single week. Top fives, top tens. Even if you like a guy a little longer odds, hammer a top 20. The volume.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.